0: Let me get my notes out here. Philippians chapter 1. I told you an older story this morning. I open up with another one tonight. Uh, many years ago, a story about a a Sunday school teacher that taught the men's class in his church came in to see his pastor and very broken said I have to resign my class and uh, it was in the middle of the week and he said well why why do you have to do that he was a very uh, godly man and very important to the church there And he said well this past week I was on a A business meeting in New York City, and I'd gone up there on many occasions, and there was a group of uh, other guys there that I knew pretty well on other trips, of course, who stayed at the same hotel, and they said, hey, let's go out tonight, he said, no, I I don't want to do that, because he knew they were uh, different than he was, not that you're better than anybody, but he didn't know kind of what they did or where they were going to go, well, you, you think you're better than we are. Come on, go out. We're not going to do anything to you. He said, no, I, I, I'd i rather just kind of stay here in the room anyhow. Oh, come on, we're not going to do anything. So they wore him down. So he went out and they came there. He could tell it was not, not a good place. It was a bar. He went in. He thought, well, I'll get a soft drink or something and kind of get off to the side. What he didn't know was that there was some very wicked entertainment in there. And uh, the Spirit of God began to smite his heart. And uh, tell him, "You, you shouldn't be here. And he just felt not only that he was in the wrong place, but that the men were condemning him, kind of justifying their own sins. And while he was sitting there kind of nursing his soft drink, aggrieved over the fact that he was in a place he shouldn't have been he felt someone tapping on his shoulder and he turned around and he couldn't quite make out who it was because it was dark, but all he heard for the moment was uh, I'm really surprised to see you in here and he glanced a little harder till his eyes got adjusted and it was a a member of his Sunday school class, one of the men and he said, Pastor, I uh, I can't... uh, I can't teach my class anymore because I forfeited my testimony. You know, I've always known that the world has a higher standard for Christians than they do themselves. They can do a lot of things, but you can't do it. But Christians also have a higher standard for their leaders. And uh, they can behave in certain ways, but they don't want their, their leaders behaving that way. And there's a certain uh, standard of conduct that God requires of all of His people, of all of his children and when we do not live up to that, that conduct, we hinder the mission to which He's called us. And that's why uh, from day one even when I was a youth pastor here, I, I have emphasized that it, that what you do is more important than what you or pardon me, what you are is more important than what you do. Because if you're the right kind of person, you'll do what you're supposed to do. But it's possible to do right and not be right. So what I am speaks so loud that it blots out a lot of times what I do. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about out of this passage. And it's simply this thought. And we'll come back to it again, God willing. That our daily lives should reflect the gospel and and the testimony of Jesus Christ, and the idea uh, to give the title kind of to the message. I'm just going to give the introduction tonight, and I think it will help you. I hope that as you, I go through this, you won't think of it as an introduction. Usually, you think of an introduction and like, "Well, that's not going to help me." There's nothing practical in it, but but there is uh, about how how does this apply to me this week right now on conduct becoming. Of a Christian, not unbecoming, but becoming conduct, becoming of a Christian. When we do not live the way that God wants us to live, we lose our influence. And over a sustained period of time, as I, I preach this morning, it gives evidence that we may not be uh, genuinely born again. So let me let me just give a kind of a series of questions here at the beginning. Why, why do you live right? That's a very important question. Why do you live right? Flip, flip it. Why don't you live right? What is your motivation? And what keeps you from being consistent? You need to know the answer to those questions. Because if you don't have an answer for that, then you'll just be the shell of a person And you'll live right as long as your authority's with you, as your parents are with you, or you're with a youth group, or someone that you admires with you. But when you go to school, when you go to work, or when you're with pressure on a business trip, you're going to give in to people, and you will not have the conduct that God expects of you. That's what the passage, and we'll just look at an idea and a verse here in a moment. So God is concerned about my behavior. He's concerned about who I am, not just the way that I act, but my behavior flows out of my heart. I think that especially kind of, I was a little bit probably my generation. If you grew up as a conservative Christian, we emphasize the destination of where we're going. We ought to sing about heaven. Uh, Heaven's a wonderful place. But you get saved and, you know, you'd have a testimony meeting and someone would stand up and they'd give their testimony, I got saved on such and such and I'm going to heaven. And that, that's a wonderful testimony. But listen, God is not just concerned about the destination of your life. He's concerned about your character. God's concerned about the kind of person you are today. Because what you do, I, I was with a friend of mine uh, the other night and uh, I had Darcy with me, and I said, she, her birthday's going to be next week. And uh, he said, uh, she'll be one. He said, I'm going to be 70 next week. Actually, she's going to be one in a couple of weeks. But he said, I'm going to be 70, 70 years old. And I, I got to thinking about that, three score and 10. My friend's going to be 70. She's going to be one. That's a couple of generations there, two generations, four generations there with with my friend and my granddaughter. It's amazing, and between those two people of those seventy years of three score and ten there's a lot of impact you know Calvin and Merlin had lived a lot longer than that others that are in here a little longer than that some of us may not live longer than that that's up to up to the Lord, but I'm glad that God not only is concerned about my destination to deliver me from The fires of hell, that's enough. But he's concerned about the kind of person that I am because the kind of person that I am is going to make an impact upon the salvation of other people to keep them out of hell too. So, conduct becoming of a Christian. Now, in a moment we're going to read verse 27. Up until verse 27, the first 26 verses of chapter 1, Um, Paul has been dealing with some personal things, and there have been some good, helpful things here for us. But he's talked about, uh, he said some thank yous. He's given kind of a, a prayer that he prays for them, which is kind of a template of a prayer list for us, so on. But here he, he begins an exhortation that goes on to the middle of chapter 2. And here's why I tell you this, because it's just filled And in the middle of chapter 2 is is this example of Jesus to serve with humility. But but this exhortation, now you need to do something. It's not just enough to know. You need to do something based upon what I have given to you. So let's look at the verse here. I'm just going to read part of the verse, really what we're going to deal with. Look at it. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 27. Only let your conversation... Be as it, becometh the gospel of Christ. And that's the title of the message, Conduct Becoming of a Christian. And and I I wish you would memorize this verse, just the first half this week, it will help you. Only that your conversation, be as it, becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That's all I'm going to deal with tonight. But notice there, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, the word conversation in the Bible, you already know this, it includes your words. But it's a broader word than just your, your words, like your conversation. One of the prayers that I pray for when there's people, um, Paul and I are having a meal with people. Thank the Lord for the food. But I'll often say, Lord, bless our conversation because we're going to talk. But in the New Testament, in Old English, that word includes your speech, but it means your manner of living. But this word, in the original language, is a play on words. I remember when uh, uh, I, w- I was looking at it uh, several months ago, and I caught it, uh, and, and the word for "city" is in it. And I think in the Greek language. and I thought, well, that's interesting. I've not seen that before. And, and here's what he's saying there. He's saying, let, let your, your, the conversation you have in your city. But the city that you have is not where you live. It's the city of heaven. Now stay with me. I'm going to explain this. It'll, it'll make real practical sense to you. Now, he's writing to the people at the church at Philippi. The church, uh, Philippi was a colony of Rome. Uh, they were not a part of Rome. They were in a little place called Macedonia, which I put it up for you on a map. So you can see it. But, but it was in a place called Macedonia, which is a, a little area there in Asia. And Rome had kind of taken that as a colony. So when you went to Philippi, you you would hear some Latin. You would see architecture and customs, and you would think that you were in Rome. And uh, there are certain places, even in America, that you go to. That there are certain places, like there's Chinatown and different places, where you think that you're in a place because of the customs and the languages and so forth. Uh, Philippi was a little bit like that. Rome was the the power seat of the world at that time, and so these people were were a little bit proud of that fact. Now remember, they were converted; they were saved. Paul said to the saints at Philippi, chapter 1 and verse 1. And so here's, here's the play on words. He said, let your conversation, and it includes not just the way that you live, but in the place where you live, don't take your pride that you're a Philippian. In other words, let, let me explain it to you like this. If we were able, and you can go to Philippi today, and it's ruins, And uh, I've not had the privilege to go there, but uh, I've seen pictures of it. And uh, some of the uh, places that we talk about are still there, at least the ruins, the marketplace and so forth. But when you went there, you thought that you were in Rome. And just as Philippi reflected Rome, every time you go into a, a local church, because he's writing to the church at Philippi, it ought to reflect the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter whether you're in this local church or you go to Daniel Stead's church in West Virginia or Leslie Stead's church in Georgia, that when you go into these different churches, that, that the pastor doesn't rule, but the king rules. And the values of the king are in that church. And this is what he's appealing to. This is the play on words. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel in Christ. And don't, don't be proud that you're Philippian. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you're a Christian. And uh, what are the values in the kingdom of God? Humility, grace, holiness, love, kindness. The fruit of the Spirit, those types of things. So that wherever you go, whether there's a group of Christians and the Spirit of God is in charge, because He has changed us, and the more that He's in charge of each individual, He's in charge of you and you and you and you, and He's in charge of every person in here. That if a visitor came in tonight, they wouldn't think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the South. Now, they may catch our accents, But they would say, these people are different. I came from a church, let's say in New England, and the the presence of God was there last Sunday. And I came to a church in Alabama, and I feel that that same presence. I, I feel that same sweet spirit. I sense that same warmth. I sense that same openness. That's a broad word. Look at it. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. We're not to glory in politics. Politics are important. But it's not politics that brings us together, it's Jesus. We're not to glory in in football teams. Football teams, it's not wrong, but it doesn't bring us together. We're not to glory in whatever we we like. These things aren't wrong. But the average conversation in a church is whatever we've done during the week. Well, my garden had this. And again, these aren't wrong unless that's all we do. Or how about the game yesterday, whatever you watch. And you'll rehash that. Could it be possible... That you could come to church and that would be the substance of your conversation. And I'm taking a literal conversation here. That's the substance. I mean, you you came Sunday morning, Sunday night, life group, and that was the substance of your conversation. Uh, There was not one spiritual element to anything that you said. I'm not talking about checking off something. But you never lifted anyone's burden. You never said, hey, I'm praying for you. You never talked about the sweetness of Christ. It is possible. And the truth is, it's, it's more than likely. O- only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. This is conduct, this becoming of a Christian. This is what transforms us. This is what makes us distinctively Christian. God has changed us. And so whether you go to church where John was in Chattanooga this morning, uh, I sent a note to him. I said, I'm praying for you this morning that you'll have good services. And She said, my pastor preached on the grace of God. I sent a note to Aubrey, I'm praying you're having good services. I don't know what her pastor preached on. She just said, we have good church. I don't know. I sent a note to Ashley. She didn't say anything back. She was sleeping, I think. But the point being is that we, we can go to church where we're to receive something to be fueled. And we have our daily time alone with the Lord. That's very crucial. When we come to the church to engage with other Christians, only let your conversation, your manner of living, which includes your speech, reflect kingdom values. Not earthly values. Did you hear what President so and so said? Did you hear what they're voting on? Did you see what they did on third down yesterday? Did you see this? And, and you come to church, and, and the bulk of our conversation is is absent kingdom language. And sometimes people can do that, and be self righteous. I'm fully aware of that. I don't like those folks. But there there is a reality where I'm just hungry to have someone whose language is becoming of a Christian. Look at verse uh, 12 of chapter 2. Would you slip over there? Watch this. Chapter 2, look at verse 12, second part of the verse. He says, but now much more, I'm sorry, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you can't work out something that hasn't been worked in, okay? This is not working for your salvation. I'm working out what God has already put in. That's in verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God is working in me during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. God is working in me, and I just work that out with text messages, with emails, with phone calls, with prayers, with my words, with my gestures. Let your conversation, the Bible there says, Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. As it becometh the gospel of Christ. Notice that. This is our standard. The way we live, the way we talk, is that which becometh the gospel. The word becometh there means that which is suitable, it's appropriate. It's done in a worthy way. Now, you can do this, but it's not becoming. When you, go to church, when you go to church, you don't wear what you would wear to a football game. And when you go to a football game, you don't wear what you would wear to church. It's not becoming. It's not suitable. It's not appropriate. It's, it, it's not Worthy in the sense of propriety. That's what he's saying here in verse twenty-seven. Only let your conversation be as it be cometh. That that's not becoming. That that doesn't fit. That doesn't match. What you go, what you go to as a wedding is not becoming in other situations, and vice versa. So, as a Christian, there there are some things that we're to do, and some things that we're not to do, that God wants me to live consistently all of the time, where that my life is showcasing Jesus at work, at school, at home, at church, in the restaurant, where everywhere that I go, listen, I, I believe one of the best things somebody can say about you is this. They're always the same. They're just always. The same. I'm not always angry, but they're just always the same. Just always the same. Have you ever? Have you ever been around people that you felt like were actors, and they they were putting on airs, and you and you were suspicious. You didn't think they were going to steal from you, but you felt like this is not who you really are. I remember uh, I had people uh, that have told me that before about myself. They said, "You know, when I first met you, I-, I thought you were you were pretending." That was a low blow. He's not like that. We had a guy that ju- joined our staff in Virginia in 1981. His name's Mike. He's a good, very good friend of mine. And uh, went by, and I didn't know Mike really well. He was in the church there, but I knew him a little bit. And uh, so I went by and said, hey, Mike. I said, man, I love you. He said, no, you don't. That's what he said. No, you don't. I said, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. And the more I got to know him, the realized that part of it, he wasn't kidding. But people that are that way have a reason for doing that. But I've known other folks that just maybe wonder, not maybe because of a, a different life, maybe that you were used to, but just because you see them act differently, not because of the way they live on a consistent basis. But they just act different with different people. And you don't need to decide in here tonight, well, I need to be more consistent. That's not the point. It's still pretentiousness. I just want to live in a manner that is worthy of Jesus Christ. Look at the verse. Only let your conversation, the way that I live, the way that I walk, in, in, because I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not just a citizen of Huntsville or the United States of America. I'm a citizen of heaven. And it needs to be, be becoming to that fact, be appropriate to that fact, into the gospel of Jesus Christ. So everything is suitable to that fact. So it wouldn't be said, did you, did you hear what Rick said? Did you see his attitude? A lady was helping some people in the church at Rome. And uh, Paul wrote them and said, I want you to help her. She's been a blessing. And uh, notice what he said in Romans 16 and verse 2. He said this about her. He said, receive her in the Lord... Watch this. As becometh saints. That's the idea there in Philippians 1. As is appropriate to saints. That's the way Christians act. Because of what she's done to you. Assist her. As becometh saints. That's the way Christians behave. This is appropriate to the way a Christian lives. That's what he said in Philippians 1 and verse 27. This is propriety for a Christian. As becometh saints. Now, if you're not a Christian, you don't act like that. But if you're a Christian, this is propriety. The same idea is in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. There it is again. These are all in different books. It's in Philippians. It's here in Romans. It's in Ephesians. Don't don't talk this way. It's it's not becoming to a saint. That's not appropriate. Don't do that. It's not becoming. And then we have the same idea with other words. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Walk worthy of the Lord. Appropriately. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Walk worthy of his name. Give him a good name. Again, Paul prayed for the church at Colossi, Colossians one ten, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. Same thing. It's a good prayer to pray for yourself and for your kids and for your family. That they'll walk worthy. That there will be propriety appropriateness. I don't mean just in their manners, but with their godliness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, what's this, how you ought to walk and to please God. There's a way you ought not talk and you ought not walk. And there's some things we ought not do. We live in a society today where where anything goes, and and there's just some things we ought not do. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That's not becoming of a Christian. Don't carry your, don't drive that way. Christians, Christians don't do that. I mean, we're we're. Not to be, you know, the guy that everybody remembers. Oh, I remember you. I saw you the other day in a parking lot. I remember you, you got ahead of me to get that parking place. Is it worth Is your testimony worth that? Really, I mean, have a guest come into the church and you zoom in. You get that place because you've been waiting and you, you go ahead and get it. You deserve it. And then you get out and you look at him kind of glare. Yeah, I told you. And it's the person over here. He's, oh, that would never happen. Oh, yeah. Now you can balance justice and all those types of things. Some of these things. This is your citizenship is in heaven, and the emphasis is on rights so much, and on who's first, and on, on, on perceived justice. Jesus knew none of that. He'll bring all that about in the millennium. And then here's one other scripture I want to give you under this idea of of becometh the gospel. What's worthy, what's appropriate. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, Not purloining, which is an old English word for stealing. He said, Don't steal, especially from your employer but showing all good fidelity, all good faithfulness being true, that they may, now look at this word, adorn the doctrine of God our Father, I'm sorry, God our Savior and all good things. That's interesting. He doesn't say obey the doctrine of God. Adorn the doctrine of God. You know what that word means? Well, you could illustrate it this way. It's like when, to decorate the Christmas tree. To trim the tree, to put things in certain order, um, to decorate your home in a certain way, to make uh, the, the, Paula started putting up false stuff the other day. She, Hoss came over to watch a game, and she, he said, "What are those? What are those things on the side of the TV?" I said, well, Paula, "Paula put them up." We're sitting there at about three minutes. I got up and I moved him. He said, good, I couldn't see the play clock. I said, I couldn't either. We did that, Paula. We had to put him back. Did you notice that? It was Hoss's idea. That's adorning. Well, the Bible here says you adorn the doctrine of God. It has the idea of, I put this down, I almost felt blasphemous for doing it, But you make God attractive. Now, God makes you attractive. But you make him attractive to lost people by, by adorning his doctrine. Some people know doctrine, but they don't adorn the doctrine. They use, they use doctrine to, to argue with people. Do you have any Facebook friends that argue all the time on Facebook? I can't hardly read this stuff. Now, there may be some people that are saved from it. And, and hopefully they are. But uh, I, I don't know about it. They just like to argue and kind of a tit for tat. Gotcha. Oh man, good point. Come back. Let me been doing some research. Got you right here, and we come back with the comeback, and uh, so forth. You adorn the doctrine of God by becoming First Peter. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter one and verse twenty. By becoming who you are. In Christ. Propriety. And so forth. We tend to think that we only make statements about the gospel with our lips. But it's our lives that validates what we say. Listen. What good is it when the Bible says that the gospel produces love in people, but you're not a loving person? And your life contradicts what the gospel Is supposed to do in your life. What good does it do when the Bible says that Jesus gives a person life, but you're spiritually dull? There's just no life in you. What good does it do when the Bible says that Christ makes a person joyful and humble, but you're angry and you're proud? And so everything that the gospel is supposed to do in your heart your, your life contradicts those words. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That's what he's saying. We've got to, and he, he's getting real straight on this. He's saying, I, I don't just want you talking about stuff, I want you living it. I want you to become, in present tense, or it is present tense, when you go to school. When you're shopping. Today we were at a little Mexican place we would never been. And my mom's out of town, up to see my sister in Delaware. So it Paula and myself and Hoss came over to join us. And uh, they had a little buffet thing there. So Hoss and I were up there. And they had these little uh, chip and they put cinnamon on them. What do they call those things? Charles, you have something to plug up her ears real quick. You need to plug up Amy's ears. Now, I, I love that green stuff she gave me, too. That is really good stuff. She gave me some green stuff. But I got those chips with some cinnamon on them, and they put honey on them. And hosses, horses with me. So I turned around, and this woman was behind me. And it got all over me. The honey, the cinnamon. You ever had honey and cinnamon all over you like Winnie the Pooh? Well, I didn't, I didn't cuss, but I wanted to call Gus so he would cuss for the both of us. I went back to the table. I said, Paula, I said, Do I have honey all over me? She said, I don't think so. I said, Well, I don't know. I said, Do I have honey on me? And I wasn't even thinking about the sermon, but I was thinking about that girl. Because my immediate response was, that was not a good thing. I didn't react, but I wanted to. Say, you need to give a man room when he's trying to get his stuff and his cinnamon and honey together. You need to get out of the way. And we're just going to, you know, when, when somebody jostles you, whatever's inside the container is going to come out. And if Jesus is not in there and the flesh is in there, that's what's going to come out. Look at the verse. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now watch this. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That whether I come and see you or else be absent. you See, the determining factor of their obedience wasn't Paul's presence. It was God's presence. Here's what he was saying now. I don't want you to obey just because I'm there. In fact, he he repeated this later. Look at chapter two and look at verse twelve. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Do you do better again when 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 a spiritual authority is around you? Are you are you able to do that? I remember uh, we had a, a, a man into our church up in Virginia. And we I was downstairs. And it was a Sunday night. We had a discipleship hour. And he and his wife were coming in. And they were walking down with their kids. And he and his wife were chattering away. And they were upset. And Paul and I were walking down the hall. And then he looked and he saw us. And we were pretty young. They're about 10 years older than us. But he looked up to us. They were brand new Christians. And he was so embarrassed. And I just smiled. I wasn't embarrassed because, you know, couples fight. You know. But he kind of looked at us. He said, Oh, Pastor Rick, I'm, I'm, he's, I, I'm so sorry you caught me in a backslide. That's what he said. You caught me in a backslide. I said, that's okay, I'm just going to leave you with Paula. She understands. I just, I don't know what I said, something like that. But he, he felt bad because I was around. My best friend, David, who's in heaven now, uh, he told me, he said, Rick, uh, he said, when you're around, I can live right. So said, when you're gone, I can't live right. I said, David, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But it's hard. You see, it's not, it's not the presence of other people or your friends. It's the presence of God in your life. Notice in verse 27 again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Notice the first word there, only. It has the idea, that this is like an underline or an asterisk. Highlighted. It's only let your gospel, your conversation, be as it become at the gospel of Christ. He's saying this is essential because I'm going to hear about this. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Because I'm going to hear about it. And other people are going to hear about what you do or what you don't do. And Paul was listening. One of the things he did is he, he listened for his converts and how they did. Ephesians 1.15, wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto the saints, all the saints. That's Ephesians, church at Ephesus. Colossians 1, church at Colossae, verse 4. Since we heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus, and of the love which he hath to all the saints. And to Philemon, in verse 5, hearing of thy love and thy faith. You can't hide your life. People are going to hear. They're going to know the way that you have lived. What is the standard for your life? It's to be distinctive. It's to be Christ-like went to a good bible college it's not in existence anymore it's hard to believe it was there for almost 70 years interesting story i won't go into it one of the uh the downsides of it was uh, was already in trouble but one of the mottos from day one when dr robertson founded it he said i want our motto to be distinctively christian Distinctively Christian. See, Because I want our graduates to be distinctively Christian. And I still remember kind of the, the way they framed that out. And it was on their letterheads and everything. Had the name of the school, distinctively Christian. They brought in a, a president towards the latter end. He wasn't the last president, but one of the last presidents they had. And uh, he didn't make this statement public, but he did to someone that I know very well. And he said, we're going to change that motto. It's not going to be distinctively Christian anymore. And here's what he said. He said, that's legalistic. By the way, the one I know, that was my son. He told my son that. Excuse me? that's legalism no that, that's biblical if any man be in christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new ezekiel 36 26 i will give you a new heart i will give you i can go on and on be you not be transformed by the renewing of your mind i could go on and on that, that's biblical no no Distinctively, the christian is that's legalistic and I think I try to give the guy some breathing room. It's hard sometimes. But what he was trying to do, he wanted to recruit more students. Well, that's not attractive to students anymore. They don't like the distinctive part, they're looking for something else. So we need something a little more broad. Can I tell you something tonight? Now, you don't have to call it that. That's not the point. That's not the point. But the point is this, is that God wants you to be distinctively Christian. And in that, he wants you to be distinctively biblical in your Christianity. I want to ask you to do something that was closed tonight. Number one, if you consider just taking the first part of that verse tonight and, and memorizing it and meditating upon it, it will help you. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Just take that part that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Because as their leader, he said, I'm going to hear. And then we'll come back to this. Your daily life should reflect the gospel in Christ. I want us to pray together tonight, and then we'll be dismissed. And uh, if you just, uh, if your family's here, pray with them. If not, just pair up with the Another brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord, and and just uh, pray for spiritual power to uh, be the man, the woman that God wants you to be, and that uh, God would remove any hindrance, hindrances in your life that that are keeping you from being who He wants you to be. And then when you finish, you can leave. You know, I, I want, I want, I say, I do. The Lord wants His church. Only let your conversation, you can look at that word later, has the word city in. This, this is an expression of the kingdom of God. This is church. So that when people walk here, this is not an organization, it's an organism. And its heart beats with the presence of God. And the very atmosphere breathes with the spirit of God. And there is a uniqueness, there is a distinctiveness that is here. And that wherever you go in your vehicle, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the pharmacy, when you go to the restaurant, that you carry that atmosphere with you. So that sometimes people can't even put their finger on it, but they know there's something different about you. Paula will tell me, she'll interview people at work, and she'll come home and say, Rick, I think they're a Christian. I think they're a Christian because there's something about the people of God when, when they're walking with the Lord so let's do those things let's just pray for one another and ask God to help us to to be those people this week I'm sure do love you God bless you